Well, it's pretty amazing that it's June 18th and we're, we're still technically in school right now because I, I'm looking outside and the sun is shining. It looks very, very nice. But nevertheless, we have another episode of 1363 and me. And I'm Mr. Krishna, chemistry teacher at BCSM. I am Mr. Palacios, and I try really hard to teach students Algebra 2 at BCSM. And, and yeah. I, oh, sorry, should I go? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I am Kip Brennan, a.k.a. Brennan, a.k.a. Ms. Brennan, first year generalist teacher in English 10, living environment and Algebra 2. Presenting the special ed department, we had to come through. There's gonna be uh, some, some love on that a little bit later, but glad that you're here, Ms. Brennan, for sure. Um, definitely looking forward to this. You're my co-teacher as well. Shout out to co-teacher Brennan, co-teacher Palacios in the house. Dream team. That's that's what our students say. We're the dream team. That's yes. what, that's what they always say. Shout, shout out, out seventh, seventh period. Oh, you already know. Yeah. <laughs> shout out seventh period. Y'all already know, man. Um, so anyways, yeah, welcome everybody. We're going to jump right in uh, to our entry ticket. Uh, let's check in, see how everybody's feeling. Um, we're going to start with Krishna today. Krishna, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm starting with you today. I'm throwing a curveball. Usually we start with the guest, Miss Brennan, but I'm throwing, I'm throwing Krishna under the bus on this one. <laughs> that, that was a curve. You know, I was sitting on, I was sitting on the fastball. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> 78 miles an hour, 12-6. No. Oh. That might have been a change up too. I don't know. Might have been the change up. Might yeah. have been the change up. Or a sinker. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm going, I'm going too deep with that analogy. Go ahead. <laughs> how are you doing? Well, so how am I today? Um, I'm pretty uh, good. I'm pretty solid. I think that uh I mean I I didn't I'm I don't have any intention on doing anything meaningful today uh related to school stuff. I Wednesday last Wednesday was the last like day of sweat. I would say everything else has been maintenance. So, um, you know, this week was obviously catching some students up and some kids did kind of flip things around and uh, we'll, we'll end up passing for the year. So that's, that's always good. But, but stuff like that is not, that's not very high stress work to me, at least that does not require ridiculous amounts of uh, creativity planning grading i mean yeah there's grading but it's and you know it's not the type of it's the the checking grading not the grading to see what the adjustment on the next lesson is going to be mm. type of thing mm. um so it's been quite relaxing i think you I have planned, your coffee this morning bro did you have your coffee, coffee the coffee is actually getting ready Oh, okay. You're brewing it. All right. Okay. He's actually getting ready. So. All right. All right. What is brewing right now? Yeah, it's brewing right, all right. now. Say, say hi to Estelle. Hey, hi. what's up? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's the current state of things. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a, a another episode of 1363 and me today. There we go. Who are you passing it off to, man? You could pass it oh, off to somebody. My gosh. Well, I, I'm going to do the courteous thing and be like, uh, I'm going to pass it to the guest. I'm going to pass it to Miss Brennan. Oh, thank you. Well, I was wondering how you were doing with the Kemba Walker news. Because mm. I know we were just talking about that last week. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to that Al Horford is back. So good. I'm glad you're gives us some rim protection. I'm a big defense guy. This is our bi-weekly Boston Celtics update. Just for everyone out there that wonders what the heck we're talking about. Well, I thought I thought of the the main Celtics fan I know when I saw that on Instagram today. But yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, I mean, we had like a big essay for English at the end of the year. And, you know, it's just been like a lot of work tracking those down and, and helping students because the, an essay, especially after a year of remote learning is, you know, it's heavy lifting for some students and I'm like getting better at this, but I get very emotionally invested in things. I mean, all teachers do. That's why we do this like and things getting turned in and like I would hate to see a student that I know worked hard fail just because they like didn't have that last you know surge of motivation to not go to summer school but I'm trying to be zen about it and just be like you know what I've done a lot I'm gonna have to just let it go I'm gonna have to let it go um but yeah I'm excited to be here very honored to be a guest um hi mom hi dad (laughs) (laughs) any students who are listening love you big shout out yeah that's great man you are definitely the first guest to shout out their parents that's that's awesome that's legit that's how you know we showed up chris we have showed up you know what i'm saying (laughs) we have showed up as a podcast (laughs) yeah there you go and and you know brennan is brennan is more with it with the uh with the younger trends maybe she can be our (laughs) the person who promos it. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty connected to the, to the zoomer culture because, uh, I mean, I'm 28, but my, two of my best friends are technically, I think they're zoomers. If I think they were born 96, 97, I think is like the cutoff or like 96. So, you know, I'm, I try to, I just guess by osmosis, I pick up on certain things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why I love teaching and uh, among a lot of reasons. But, you know, I literally am just like bumping the playlist uh, full of songs students have recommended to me, like shout out Jaylene and uh, who else? I think definitely Tafari, you know. Yep, yep. I mean, I could go on with like a lot of other students too, but I won't even go down that road. But um. Yeah, Palacios, I think I got to pass it off to you. How there you, you go. Yo, I, I like the, the first guest to actually pass it on to the. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, it oh. might have been the second or third, but it not many, yeah. not many. No, but yeah. what I was going to say was, it's cool. This is, uh, and Brennan, you are our last guest of the year. So this is like a really oh. special show and it's very purposeful while we're having you on. This ain't just, oh, let's just ask Miss Brennan. Like there are layers um, to, to your to your arrival here. And we're going to get into that as we talk more today. But we're just so appreciative that you're here. And thank you for passing it on. I like that structure, that little you pass the ball to me, you pass. You know, it's like teamwork. We're, 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 you know, I like that. That's cool. I love that. We, we waited to the last show to do that. But uh, or for that to show up for us. But anyways, as for me, y'all, I'm doing cool, man. Today was this week was kind of uh, it was interesting. I felt like it was my way of almost saying goodbye to the school year. We have one more week next week, but I feel like this week was like the big um, kind of push, like finalizing grades. Um, it, actually, this morning, I was actually packing up the books. And the last episode, I was talking about the books that I, my students and I have created together. 
Mathematical Voices Volume Two. So a lot of students aren't in, aren't in the building. So this this morning, I was actually putting them in envelopes to send out to the students. So shout out to to Fletcher actually, who is helping me with those prepaid envelopes, getting us all all squared away. So super super excited about that. Hopefully, kids can get those. It is their writing and stuff. So uh, really proud to do that this morning. And you know something else, like it was this week. I think it was the yesterday. I think it was the ELA Regents, and it was and you know it was like proctoring the test. You know, it was in the gym. It was just like it was so weird because I hadn't proctored an exam in so long. Right. So I'm like, what? And it's in the gym. And it's like it was just after proctoring reasons exams for 14 years or whatever, like or I guess 13 last year didn't really count either. Uh, it's just so weird. It was just it was just a. Oh, yeah, this is what it's like. Like, you know, this is what it's like during Regents week, you know, like and last year we weren't even in the building at this time. So uh, I don't know. It was kind of like an interesting experience. It really made me like realize this like really reflective and stuff this week. So, um, but I'm glad to be here. I'm super, super excited, man. I'm thrilled actually, um, to be here with my co-teacher and my co-pilot, uh, which is Krishna. So we ready to get this dialogue going and I can't wait for this. We're about to do this. All right. So let's jump right in. Uh, Brennan, we're going to jump right into you. We're going to put the spotlight on you and, uh, let's get into this, man. So tell us like a little bit about, you know, your backstory. Like, so how did you arrive at BCSM? Tell us that story. Okay. Oh, and by the way, just so everyone knows, this is Ms. Brennan's first year at BCSM. This was. And first year teaching. Am I, am I correct or no? Correct. All right, cool. Yeah. So tell us, how did you arrive here? <sighs> okay. So yeah, I get kind of awkward when I like talk about myself a lot, but I've prepared. So uh, I guess, yeah, well, I'm, I'm from Baltimore County, Owings Mills, Maryland. And I mean, I'll talk about that maybe in the next question, but um, I was just like a super, super nerdy kid. I mean, I had a definite like rebellious side as well, but I was really nerdy. I love school. And so I went to the University of Chicago, um, which is like a super nerdy school. And I it was like, you know, just a really cool place to learn a lot of different things um, and get into some really really fascinating topics and meet some amazing people, but I didn't really figure out what I wanted to do for my career, which was stressful. I was having so much indecision. I was really trying to decide if I wanted to do like um, a PhD and stay in academia because I was always like all about school. Um, or if I wanted to go to law school, I was like really close to going to law school because I got into some very like enticing schools, but I was just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger because I mean, it's a ton of money. And mm. I kind of was just like blindly going to the motions. Oh, you go to like a college, you study humanities. So what are you going to do? You know, if you want to have like some kind of so-called fancy job, like you go to law school or, you know, whatever, but I didn't really want to do it. And like, I always kind of, I don't know. I, Yes, the idea of teaching kept coming back to me and I kept finding it more and more interesting, but I didn't really know what I would teach because philosophy is not like a subject taught in schools. Was that what you were studying in college? That's what I was yeah, going to ask you. Sorry, you studied philosophy. That. Yeah, mm -hmm. I studied philosophy. Mm. Um, again, so many fascinating topics and things that like changed my perspective on the world and like made it seem like a much more interesting, fascinating, exciting place to live um the world I mean mm. but you know it doesn't really feed into any careers unless you want to go get like some kind of masters um so 
eventually I just spent like a couple years trying to decide what to do. I was working at desk jobs, like <clears throat> office jobs, uh, kind of like administrative roles at different places. And, um, I mean, it was like my jobs, I found them really depressing. I would just like go to my desk and like, you know, do computer work, not really seeing like the impact it was having. And like, the best part though, was just like chopping it up with my colleagues, like around the office, like, mm. hey, <laughs> and, um, I felt like, oh, I'm kind of like into having like a social job. Like I'm a people person, but, um, didn't really know how to become a teacher from having just a philosophy bachelor's. So I was very happy to find this thing called the teaching collaborative because, um, it kind of made it easy, easy to become a teacher kind of, I mean, it was a lot of work last year. But, uh, you know, the master's is basically paid for. So I'm getting a master's from Lehman and like just saying this in case anyone's listening and, and would be interested in this path. I feel like it's a really good idea because the master's isn't like coming out of my pocket. It's mm. taken out of like the paycheck over two or more years and mm. the, it's reduced to only be like 10,000 versus masters are usually at least 20,000 mm. and you have to pay it all at once. So yeah. it, I'm so blessed that I found this. And like, after these depressing desk jobs that were very soul sucking, I like felt so <laughs> happy and relieved. And like, yeah. it's not like teaching is easy, but I seriously was so just happy to not be depressed and feel mm. like, what am I doing with my life? So, yeah. <laughs> no, I got a hold on. I got a question. Your favorite, you do you have a favorite philosopher that you studied in college or that you know of or that you remember? I don't know if that was so long ago, but no, of course. I love, I mean, I'm still studying. I was reading some Heidegger last week. Like, I don't really know Heidegger well, but my friend like specializes in him. So, mm. um, but my favorite philosophers would probably be like in terms of the big names, I would say Plato and um Bertrand Russell because mm. actually Bertrand Russell did a lot with like math and science and philosophy of language um and Plato just talks about like the you know biggest like most exciting topics in life and you know something that you don't have to be a philosopher to talk about at all I mean mm. it can make anyone a philosopher like what do you think love is what do you think justice is what do you think uh well, those are the two main ones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I remember exciting, but yeah. I was just going to chime in. Like, um, I, I took a class in college where the question was, what is art? Ooh. And so I think one of the prominent names in that was Arthur Danto. I don't know if that's a name oh. that you're familiar with. No, maybe not. Not too much. I don't, I did not get too much into like the more like, yeah, aesthetics. But I think that's very cool. So I'm going to make a note of that. Arthur Danto. Yeah, I don't even remember much of what Danto said. That was the name <laughs> that, that popped up in that class. Yeah, honestly, it was actually a pretty good class. It, it kind of um, made me... I think the conclusion we came to in the class was that which can be critiqued is art. But... Mm. You know, that's, it's funny how broad these definitions can get when you really try to, it's like the hot dog sandwich scenario. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> now, and now speaking of, uh, of that stuff, you know, I know that a very prominent hot dog city is Chicago. Would you be able to speak to some, you know, your experience out there in Chicago for, for undergrad? How was that? 
I would love to. I love Chicago. It's so beautiful. Like people don't know how beautiful it is. Like the water, the lake, it looks like you're on like a, you know, like a tropical. Well, I mean, it doesn't feel tropical, but the water is like this turquoise blue and it's just a gorgeous city. Um, but I really like my heart really is with Hyde Park, which is the neighborhood where you Chicago is. And um, just like the South side in general. Um, and, you know, I never really vibed too hard with the North side. I'm going to be totally honest. It had just maybe like one or two neighborhoods, but it's a very segregated city. And the North side has like very just like ins insulated, like white culture vibes that were just not <laughs> appealing at all. But, you know, the South side was super cool. Very like Hyde Park is so diverse and like, the political organizing there, I don't think you can compare it anywhere. Um, just, you know, it was so rewarding to be involved with some campaigns there around like policing and freeing um, victims of police torture who are still incarcerated and um, shout out the Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression. Um, but yeah, like my time in Chicago was mostly like the organizing stuff the U Chicago, just like college and then Hyde Park, like going chilling at the lake. And how did you arrive in Chicago? Cause it seems like that would, that's a huge part of your life and just who you are as a person, especially with the organizing and the activism piece and obviously college. How did you arrive there? I just went there cause I wanted to go to uh, the university of Chicago. Um, and I was like all about the school, like what's the best school I can go to. And mm that's where I'm going to go. So it was, it wasn't like I really knew much about the city before I went there. I just knew it was like a really, a, a school where I would get like a really good education. So. Cool. That sounds like fun did not go to that there, right? Literally. I was just going to ask real quick um, with the, I, I, with so much of Chicago's importance to you and things like that, I know that one prominent voice in education and, and things like that is Eve Ewing. Yeah. Are you, so yeah. are you familiar with her and, you know, I see she's somebody you kind of read and, and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Like I, um, I remember reading some of her book, Electric Arches, I believe, like the Haymarket uh, book that she did with Haymarket. And I think she was actually, so I used to, I know I've told Palacios and probably you too, Krishna, that I used to actually produce a podcast at the seminary co-op bookstore um, called Open Stacks. And like, I remember having, I'm pretty sure that e-viewing was on it. Um, and I definitely remember we had, a, another poet who also does a lot with like education, Clint Smith. And I really liked how both of those poets were, you know, focused on like black joy, like, you know, not having like this deficit, de de deficit mentality about like inner city, you know, communities, even though there's like a lot of injustices there, you know, just like celebrating the joy of the South side and the West side. Um, so yeah, I never like did a deep dive into her if I'm being totally honest, but definitely she was like all, very big around you, Chicago. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Clint Smith. He has a new book out, how the word oh, is true. passed. Yeah. How the word yeah. is passed. It's about like slavery 
and oh, uh, like wow. stories from slavery. Yeah, it's really dope. It's on my it to read list. Yeah, I know, right? Um, all right, yeah. Let, let's 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 localize it a little bit. Let's get right into your 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 life here at BCSM and as a teacher, and sure. um, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious, like, so whenever you were looking for schools, like, and you arrived at BCSM, what were some of your first early impressions of the school, um, students, school, other teachers, like, what were some of your early impressions of, of, of BCSM? All right. I'm going to tell you all my, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> like, what am I supposed to say? Like when I first met this teacher, I thought they were crazy. No, just kidding. Um, that's all of the teachers. Mm. in a good way no but I honestly like again I just remember the relief of not only finding like a just finding a job that I didn't despise was a huge relief to me and I mean my first impression started when Ms. Borak just you know emailed me like oh I saw your resume do you want to do an interview and I was just like yeah definitely and I looked up the statistics on the school and I was just like wow like this school is awesome just seeing like the academic achievement to come from like a school that doesn't have that crazy screening test and um you know it was just I knew that I really 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 wanted the job so I did a ton of research um and when I got to the school I felt like my expectations were which were really high they were definitely met by just all the teachers um who I can really like see how passionate the teachers are. And I know that, you know, I've known some other teachers at different schools and like a lot of times I've seen teachers who weren't that enthusiastic, you know, and it kind of translates, I think, into like the vibe of the school. But I felt BCSM just had like a really, really, I don't know, just, I felt so happy to be here, like with such great colleagues. Shout out you guys. <laughs> everyone, honestly, I'm not even trying to be corny, but I just get a sense that this is a school that we do really take what we're doing seriously. We're not just here for like a stable job and a pension. Like there's so much passion here. So um, yeah, I had a really good first impression and first year so far. Well, basically done the first year. So I can say I had a great first year. It's such an interesting situation because, like, how many people can speak to having their first year in the game as remote? You know, like, it's it's just very, very different. But I feel like it gives you, um, it gives you, like, a lot of ammunition for next year. You're, like, over-prepared <laughs> now for the actual classroom. And granted, I, I know we'll it see. is kind of a different <laughs> ball game. What's that? I said, we'll see. Oh, I, I think There's Brennan no mute was... button next year. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. no. I was just going to say, like, I think, I think the, some of the skill sets are different. Sure. There's things like management, whatever, whatever. But, uh, oh my God, I'm sounding like Della. But um, <laughs> the, the, I think that I, I've seen enough just in terms of like Brennan, Brennan's commitment and like the, the having a vision and having a, I want to do this and having just some type of, I want this, that you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And you're going to rock. You already rocked 20 to 21. You're going to rock 21, Aww. 22. 
And I want to say this real quick. You you mentioned like you one of the things you recognize, uh, first thing you recognize was like the passion of the staff, right? And mm-hmm. um, that's something I've also recognized, but I would also say this to you. It takes someone that's passionate to recognize passion in other people. And that's real right there. Like I've been around a, a lot of other teachers and like, you know, I notice people doing, doing the work, right? But they're not often seen. But someone that is passionate can recognize passion and skills in other people. And I feel like that speaks to you for sure. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I consider myself very passionate about this job and I see it really as like a calling, you know, and mm. I always wanted to do something that I felt was like a bigger purpose and not just like sitting at a desk to make someone else money, you know, mm. like trying to change people's lives out here is like, I can't imagine a better job for me. Um, but yeah, we'll see next year. Very different ball game. I'm excited for like Hayden and summer school to get my like sea legs when it comes to classroom management. Cause I'm like really, really nice. I don't like conflict. So that'll be interesting <laughs> if mm. I have to like, you know, I'm going to have to like go into a mindset of, you know, we have to keep things orderly and safe and give everyone a chance to learn in like a good, respectful environment. So yeah, we'll see how next year goes. I'm already nervous, but excited. Mm. <laughs> anyway. No, I, I think, <clears throat> I think that's really exciting. Uh, Brennan, and I'm excited for you. And um, I think that um I just wanted to kind of go back a little bit, you know, you were talking about the desk job and that angle and, you know, the whole private sector environment. Would you care to share a story on what was one of the, what was the, what was one of the more ridiculous moments that happened in there? One of the, one of the most ridiculous, one of the more ridiculous (laughs) things you saw being like, Oh my God, is this actually what people do? Oh, I would love to speak to that. <laughs> um, I have to say my first job was a desk job, but it was in the more, it was in um, the U Chicago Center for Translational Data Science. And that is like driven by a, a larger purpose. And, you know, that if anyone remember Kyle Hernandez, the bioinformatician coming to speak at the school, he works there. That was a cool place because we're actually trying to like you know, cure cancer, like good things. I'm not doing that, like, but I am part of that by being an administrator. But I worked at this hedge fund and I'm very left wing, let's say, when it comes to the 1%. And um, this was the 1% like par excellence because I just remember people complaining to me about like the sushi order that I put in because I don't know, I guess I don't know what to order at Nobu, sorry, because I don't spend every single week. They were spending over $2,000 on one day of lunch, literally, literally. And it pissed me off. Like I'm getting elevated blood pressure (laughs) right now thinking of how much that money would mean to like, people who are actually struggling and, you know, just that never ceased to annoy me. Like the jadedness of people who were just like getting the most fancy expensive food, but it still wasn't good enough, you know, like, anyway, (laughs) that's my story. Mm. 
Oh my God. I, I, I really hope there weren't any left. I mean, I really hope that there wasn't any wastage from that 2K worth, worth of Okay, yeah. okay. Maybe I'm being naive. Okay. No, no, like I feel like the Nobu days, it was pretty good. But there, I mean, there was a lot of wasted food, but I would always just like, we didn't like eat it all. And I would go down and like chill with like my real, my real crew in like the, um, the, the lounge of like the building staff. So like the people that I vibe with, it was like the building staff, the cafe staff, you know, I became super close with like the matron who like, that's what her title was who like clean, like the halls and like, you know, it was always so great to like connect with people who I felt like were so real and like relatable versus like the finance people that I was like serving lunch to every day. Um, so yeah, on the plus side, like some of, sometimes the wasted food, like ended up being like a really nice meal for the people working in the building. Mm. Yeah. Um, kind of like on a related note, like, you know, you had mentioned, uh, your, your background in activism and social justice, like, I'm kind of curious, like now that you're in a school and you're starting to see the inner workings of the educational landscape and the bureaucracy, um, you're, you're catching glimpses of it. I mean, it's only your first year. You're just catching mm-hmm. glimpses of it, um, especially like teaching as well. Like you're definitely like in, in the midst of it now when it comes to teaching, like what um, given your background, right, in social justice work and activism work, like. How did what role do you see schools playing when it comes to social justice? Uh, I mean, that's a, such an interesting question, and I have like a couple different thoughts on it. One thing I think is like for individual teachers is like to me, I'm I'm never gonna just like have given up on a student based on what my colleagues would say about that student because like there's an infinite number does feels that yeah there's like an infinite number of approaches you could take to a student and like these are kids you know they're still changing like I was a like very different person at that age and like I had teachers who always gave me more chances than I had really deserved um until I kind of realized like the maturity to be more of a type of person I was like proud of being Um, But yeah, so I would say like, if there's a student who all the other teachers are writing him off or her off or them off, like, I'm going to just be like, okay, what's up? Like, let's let me have like a relationship and a bond with this student and see like why they're not doing work. Because sometimes it's like the smartest students and they're not being, you know, engaged with in some type of way. So uh, yeah. And then I mean, like, you know, anything about ending like the school to prison pipeline is so important, you know, and a lot of times those same students you know, it was different this year because I don't think there was like suspensions going on, but you know, it's, uh, there's a huge disparity in how much like black students are given suspensions. So as teachers, you know, these types of statistics are why we need to be really conscious of like racial justice and like how we're perpetuating stuff. Um, But also just talking about social justice and economic justice to me, like having building a community, a local community can really start with the school. And like, I hope, you know, I know next year we're going to do more stuff with parents and like helping parents know their rights, you know, knowing your rights as a tenant, you know, your landlord can't freeze your butt off all winter. You have rights, but you have to act on them in a, in a way. And that comes from having done tenants organizing. Um, And just, yeah, like teaching confidence, like students, 
you don't need to like fit into like a box that is acceptable as like a successful person. You don't have to like act, you know, some type of way or like change who you are at all. You know, I feel like a lot of times we're kind of pushing for this, like, I guess like not like acclimated, but maybe um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Acculturated or like, what's the word I'm looking for here? I guess just like forcing, tell me if you think of the word, but like forcing students to like have a certain type of self-expression and culture that's like considered more like professional, quote unquote. Like I just have a problem with with that. Uh, but yeah, I've said a lot, so I'll leave it there. I was just thinking of the white standard oftentimes that is like, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. And like, I know you guys have read like Christopher Emden and how he talks about like the Native American schools, which were designed to strip indigenous people of their culture. And, you know, that is just something I just try to always think about. Like, I don't think we should all be trying to make these students act like they're like suburban, like white prep school kids. And that shouldn't Mm. be our goal at all. Mm. Not saying that it is, but I think in some people's minds, subconsciously, that might be like going on a little bit. Yeah, it's it's like this this sort of um, and and Emden talks. Don't, don't get me going on some Emden because he got another book <laughs> coming out, Ratchademic coming out in August. Talks about this idea of like dual how students oftentimes, especially in urban settings, need to show up in a classroom and be somebody that they're not because their their authentic self is not um, accepted, right? And so teachers, schools, more generally, kind of like force students to behave and act and say and talk and look a certain way that is not authentic to them. And so they're, you know, and that does harm and that does harm to the students. I I was just going to chime in that many, many, many different types of personalities will still get, will still result in excellence. Mm. And oftentimes there is this weird perception that it's, it has to be a quiet personality that leads to excellence or it has to be the controlled personality that leads to excellence or or whatever. And I Mm. I think back and Palacios and I have talked about this. There have been a couple students Palacios and I taught taught over the years who were kind of, I don't know if it's ADHD or whatever, but (laughs) you know, they were a little bit like out there or maybe they just had a comment to say and, and, it's important that people have the uh, room, the wiggle room to be the people that they are. Or, and, and I think that when, when that gets condensed into it has to be one personality mm. that only gets you to, to being excellent, I think that's just a really, really weird idea. I would, I would add on to like who defines excellent? as well, because excellent probably looks different to different schools, to different teachers. I feel like that also needs to be defined as well because people, yeah, I just think that needs to be defined as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, there was this, uh, there was this student I taught last year who was, he's a character, this guy, I think he's going to be a senior next year. This guy, Palacios probably knows what I'm talking about. This guy, walk into the class and be like, big big personality, uh, very loud guy. But guess what? You know, like, I mean, he said really cool stuff in class if you gave him the room 
Mm. If you gave him the opportunity to, to say those cool things. And I mean, yeah, I, I just remember I was so happy. Um, I think it was the, the midterm, the 2020 midterm mm-hmm. kid get kid gets like a 98 or something like that. Oh, nice. And, but I think it, I, I don't know if it, it's maybe it's not so much the result that got me so excited. It was just the fact that like, I was so happy that he could just be himself and still engage with everything that was happening in, in the classroom. And, uh, Anyway, that's that's, that's just really a little cool. bit mm. on my end. That's a great example of like what the goal should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just made last question, Brennan. We're gonna turn it back to you. Our last thought I have, and I feel like oftentimes when it comes to students being themselves and and and, and feeling, you know, you know, feeling like they don't have to, you know, be someone else or behave like someone else or approach some type of standard that's not authentic to them, it requires teachers and educators to do the same. If they if they see us as not being authentic and not being ourselves and not being real, that doesn't I, I feel like that automatically tells them, all right, I'm not expecting the same from you. Right. And it doesn't almost give them permission to do it. If we're all, if we're not embodying who we are and bringing our flaws and all of our mm. um, weirdness and all of our beauty as well into that space, the students are going to see that and be like, oh, this ain't a space that that's expected of me. Right. So I feel right. like. That's actually part of the goal of this podcast is to, to, to let educators and let the, the students see who we are in some sort of authentic yet casual uh, way. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So, Ms. Brennan, we're going to pivot a little bit. We're going to turn it back to you. We've been, Christian and I have been running our mouth because you got us thinking about some good stuff. You said a couple right things. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You bringing it to the podcast and we appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. This, all right. So, we don't. Been, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say this has been one of the, uh, I think, Every episode has its own tenor. Is that the right term? Mm. You guys are better readers than me, but every episode has its own tenor Mm. or something. This one has been very dorky and I'm loving it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, man. Uh, All right. Yeah. So we're going to put, we're going to put it back on you, Brandon. We're going to make it more personal, a little bit more playful, a little bit more fun now. All right. So we're going to ask you what's the, and I know you, I kind of know some of the answers here because we done gone there in seventh period this year. And I, and I I love you for that. Like I love some of your, your hobbies and stuff. But let the world know, let all the listeners know, like, what are some special talents or at least some hobbies that you have that you could talk about? Uh-huh. Okay, you already know what I'm going to say. Bird watching. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that's horrible for the audio to clap. Oh, my God, sorry, that's going to be a spike. Um, but just wanted to emphasize how much I love it. Um, but, yeah, I just love um, really just, I guess, like, learning how to identify things in nature. Uh, I mean, I, there's a long way to go, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with identifying birds now, um, which is very dorky, but it's definitely a passion of mine. And like, if anyone doesn't know what my, uh, and my seventh period students were actually like quizzing me on birds for a big part of the year, which was so <laughs> amazing. Yes, it uh, was. Yeah, that was so lit. That was and cool. Yeah. So I'm getting more into like the trees and the, um, you know, different types of more herbaceous things like, you know, shrubs, wildflowers, things that we consider weeds, but that actually have like amazing properties. So, I mean, I'm very much about nature and 
kind of identifying that, uh, like the different species that you see. Hmm. When, when was the I'm not it's not even a quite I don't think this is even a question of if when was the last time you went to the BX Botanical Garden <laughs> so I live about like very pretty short walk from there oh boy I was very blessed to get gifted a membership by my boyfriend's parents so I go literally every week I went last week and I'm going today <laughs> and it's amazing. Like you can see how something I never noticed before getting more into this stuff is like noticing like how things change from week to week. And like, you can go to the Met Museum. I've probably been there like a hundred times. I actually had an internship there and I was just like, you know, eventually no offense, I get kind of bored, but the botanical garden changes every day, Mm. every week. Yeah, I'm literally obsessed with it. And speaking of gardens, I, I want to lift you up a little bit. You got to tell us a little bit about your you you have started you have started a movement here at BCSM, and it's the gardening movement. So you got to speak. That's a that's a serious passion of yours. So we would love for you to speak on that a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, like I mean, even yesterday I was driving to get some some compost. Uh, like finished compost for the garden and oh my god the traffic that ever <laughs> was horrible but anyway yeah. it's been amazing because I mean I'm learning as I go disclaimer so guys don't be mad if it doesn't grow right um, <laughs> like I'm learning along with the students but I just knew this is something I I kind of grew up doing with my dad um, and you know I just wanted to to get that going here at the school so I just had an amazing connections with some students in my homeroom and some students in all of the classes, math, English, living environment, and, um, you know, got like a little group together that wanted to do some gardening. And so right now we have uh, the front of the school, we have growing some sunflowers, zinnias, and cosmos, which we planted from seeds. Yes, thank you for the snaps. Yeah, um, that's great. I've seen them too, boy. They they are sprouting. It, it looks like a whole forest out there in front of the oh, building. I- <laughs> no, it's true. And like, shout out to the students, like um, especially like Raul and Jose, who I'll just be like, guys, can you help me with something real quick? And then we're just like digging in the dirt in the garden for like fifteen minutes in the middle of the school day, and it's just so therapeutic. And like, you could have all the money in the world, but if you don't have food you're not going to live like you have to be able to have food and and like with COVID all the shortages just made me feel really urgently like I really hope that our communities can become more resilient by like learning to grow our own food because it's not even that hard like um I mean now I'm saying that we'll see what I (laughs) after we try it more but um so this summer with Hayden we're going to be starting to do vegetables um and adding a lot more uh, plans to the front of the school. We got a grant from the EcoRise Foundation for that. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to do indoor hydroponics. So I seriously hope everyone who was even the slightest bit interested or just, you know, wants to chill and garden casually will join the club, the Sunshine Club, or, you know, there's like maybe going to be an elective. We'll see. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the gardening as it is now. Pray for our plants, though, because again, I'm not a <laughs> professional here. <laughs> Every day, I look at them like, "Oh, my eyes!" <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, they're getting there. They're getting there. They sense yeah, the love. Them. They sense the love. 
I was just going to say, Brennan, are you, do you, are you big on like, um, uh, do you ever go like fruit picking? Like we, we went strawberry picking last Sunday. Is that something that, that you do a lot? Well, I have to find out where you went. Oh, fish kill farms is great. Fish kill farms. Yeah. Cause I don't really, I want to do that because I want to also get into making like preserves and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. I was like a do I was like a doomsday like apocalypse prepper for a couple of years. So like the gardening is kind of, not really, but low key. And so gardening and preserving and like self sufficiency, I, I'm super into those things. So I want to like go to a drone and then try to like make preserves of what I pick and see how long they last. So I'm gonna put that on my list of things to do this summer. There, there's a certain. Um there's a certain wholesomeness I feel like to gardening. And, yeah. and then whenever, like whenever I've gone to the botanical garden, there's like this level of innocence there. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like watching PBS when I was a kid. Oh, that's what it, that's what it kind of, that's what the vibe is like. So that's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, I see that. Cool. Uh, I'll turn it over. Palacios looked like he had a question. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to totally switch it all up. First, before I switch it up, definitely shout out to Botanical Gardens. I go there all the time with my kids. We usually Aww. bring a blanket, chill. I definitely want to vouch for that. That's it. That's, and I love how you, how you, you know, it's constantly evolving and changing with the seasons, even within the season. Definitely. I haven't really, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I think I got to take a, you know, when I go there, I'll pay a closer attention. I do have my yeah. favorite trees and spots and stuff like oh, that, but nice. yeah. uh, I don't know the name what of it, Wednesday. but it's, but it's, it's from the main entrance. It's like a Japanese maple yeah. or a Japanese um, conifer. When you first walk in, it has oh, orange sure. bark and it, yeah, and it, it's right past the reflecting pool. Like, that is my favorite oh my tree. Nice. In the whole, Those yeah. are really good. Is it kind of like reddish bark? Yeah, yep. Mm -hmm. I love that one. That's Actually, a beautiful. the first time I went there was with Today and uh, Riley. Mm -hmm. And that we went and looked over at that tree. That was awesome. Beautiful. The bark is like papery and it like, oh, it's just, it's just gorgeous, man. I, um, uh, I, yeah. I was just going to say, I went there on Wednesday and they had like nice. dressed up a bunch of trees and polka yeah. dots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the current... Art, Kusama, I think. Kusama, yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. the Japanese artist that they're honoring. Yeah. yeah, it's a great exhibit. Um, yeah, so I was gonna switch it up real quick. We're gonna we gotta jump into the eating and I feel like we're running out of time so quick on this. No. It's, it's, we're going places with this, but real quick, <laughs> um, interested in this question. It's kind of random, but I think it kind of you know it's kind of interesting. So if you could meet anyone in the world, Brennan, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Okay, I thought about this one a lot. Um, and I would have to say that it would be, in fact, I have her book right here, Kianga Yamada Taylor. Um, and she's a Princeton professor. Uh, the book is called, this book specifically is From Black Lives Matter to Black Liberation. Um, and so I think you could call her, definitely, I think you call her like a socialist, um, you know, writer on black politics, social movements and racial inequality. Um, and she just like breaks things down. Her ideas, are, the, the why is just because her ideas are so fascinating and her writing is just so incisive. Um, and, you know, she just is like breaking things down on just like the highest level. So I could not even recommend this book enough, uh, especially for how she ties in like economic inequality and, um, you know, even like 
just like elite control versus like the 99% type thing. So this, I would love to meet her. I would probably act really awkward though, but still <laughs> <laughs> you know, I prepare my questions in advance and, and get her talking about her ideas. Okay. Definitely. Brennan, I got to ask you one more random question. Yeah. If you had the world's attention, because you just seem like such a, a well-rounded one thing I also we didn't get into is like your love for language as well. Like that's oh, something yeah. I've taught. And I'll be honest, man, it, when I first met you, you probably don't remember this. But when I first met you, I, I said I sensed like, you know, there's so much I have to learn from you. And I remember thinking oh. that. And I still feel that way, especially getting to know you more this year, co-teaching with you. Um, there's just so much about you that like is just so fascinating and so much. So I'm really curious, like if you had the world's attention for five minutes, all eight billion or whatever, however many people, if you had the world's attention for five minutes, what would you say or do? This question cracks me up because I'm so insane. I would be like, hello, I only have five minutes. <laughs> I need to talk to you about the fact that we have the power in numbers, like the regular working people in the world, like the 99 percent. We could shut everything down if we did a general strike like you saw how the you can see how strikes have led to all the improvements if you like having a weekend you have to thank collective power and like the unions uh for pushing that and you know like things there's like tactics that have been pushed over but i mean like shout out india for having like the biggest general strike ever this past year um and like things like that like general strikes you know when we struggle together when we fight we can win like we have power and the media not the whole media but a lot of like the elite media and like politicians like status quo people really you know there's a I think I forgot Alice Walker someone said like the main way that we give up our power is by thinking we don't have any and we said this every day in the social movements uh, unit for English so you know just like a lot of public figures, like you have to follow the money. Like, are they benefit? Like, are they millionaires? Think of how many of our elected officials are millionaires and they're voting against like things like Medicare for all, not to get too political, but like, you know, they're voting against things that would really help people. Um, and we oftentimes don't even see the elite bias of like, okay, so we're worried more about like this abstract part of the economy, like stock markets and stuff, but people are literally out here dying because they can't afford healthcare in the supposedly richest country in the world. So anyway, I'm just very big on like 99% solidarity. Um, and you know, we're just so much stronger together. So if you're in a job, you can unionize. If you're a tenant, you can have a tenants union, but you have to build power in numbers in your community and like start with like the people that you know and you trust and just try to like go from there. So <laughs> that's, I'm glad it didn't take a literal five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. I, I feel like that really resonates with me. I just out of curiosity, Brennan, what would you say is, you know, I feel like you are well versed. What do you think is the appropriate rate for minimum wage in 2021? Because obviously the current one is too low. 15 is still way too low. What do you think it should be? Oh my God. I mean, I think it really depends. And like, I'm even flipping through this book because it literally says from 1978 to 2013, CEO compensation adjusted for inflation increased 937% compared to the anemic 10% growth in a typical worker's compensation. So like, I would say I, I don't have like a magic number, but it would have to depend on like the living expenses of the area, right? Like sure. people should not have to, 
if you have a minimum wage job, you should be able to live and survive, especially because like right now, the value that you are creating with your labor is being expropriated and stolen from you by someone who is just profiting so they can buy like a third yacht. Like, mm. F that. I mean, like, I'm not going to curse on here. But um, so I would say it depends. I mean, I probably like couldn't say high enough. <laughs> like, I would just be like, I don't know, 50 <laughs> if you want to know. But again, it would have to depend. But I love the question. I'm just being totally like honest. I don't really know. It would just like, but as high as possible, like give people the money that their value is creating. Like Chipotle is not going to run if you don't have workers there. That's a fact. So like they're creating the value by working there. So they should have like as much of that so-called profit, like the surplus value, they should be getting as much of that as possible in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. Uh, I, I say now uh, let's transition to our next segment which is the eating and reading segment. What are you eating? What are you reading? I love that intro. Thank you. You might be the first one all year to say they love, they love that Shame. music. Thank you for that. I appreciate that, Krishna. I appreciate her, all right? She's showing Aww. some love on my theme song, all right? <laughs> All right. So let's jump right in, man. Um, so we're going to start with food and we're all going to share on this one, y'all. So what, what's something we've all eaten recently? Um, I guess I'll start. I'll start. I usually pass it off. I'll start this week. So um, so I had a, a really interesting meal uh, this week. I went to a spot called it's actually in my neighborhood, like a block away from where I live, uh, Park Chester Fish Joint, uh, Park Chester Fish and Chips. And I actually went there with Brother DeVoe. Shout out to Brother DeVoe. Now, this is Brother DeVoe's spot from like years ago. I remember like he was like, yo, you live over here and this is this is my fish spot. I used to go to his, you know, forever. And so he he recently, you know, rediscovered the, his fish spot. And so we went we actually been going a couple of weeks, couple of like uh, this Wednesday and like uh, last Wednesday as well. We went um, to get a fish sandwich uh, and it's solid. It's a good fish sandwich. Great tartar sauce as well. Um, so delicious and definitely, you know, it was about the meal, but it's also about the brotherly love, um, mm -hmm. that brother D and I share and, you know, the conversation and a dialogue, um, that accompanies the food. I feel like that's one thing that, um, I really appreciate about, um, about that spot. Cause it's about the food. It's about that fish sandwich, but it's also about the time that we spent. So, um, that's my meal of the week. Uh, Krishna, I'll pass it on to you. Oh, wow. Okay. So after going to the botanical garden, we went over to, uh, Arthur Ave. And um, uh, one of my favorite places there is Antonio's. Oh. I don't know if anybody's been to Antonio's, but uh, they have some really, really good stuff. Um, uh, and I, I don't even remember the name of my dish I got. It was like, um, you know, it's like one of these chicken things that comes in like kind of a spicy, vinegary, type of sauce comes with Ooh. some like Italian sausage with some pasta, some ziti on the side. It was so good. I love Antonio's shout out to Antonio's uh, on Arthur Ave. I'm going to put that on my list because I love Arthur Ave and vinegary food. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm definitely going to have to like find what you had. Um, yeah, I love Arthur Ave. I love hearing about the fish spot. And I would have to say like since we're talking about restaurants, my not to dox myself too hard but like my local spot is uh el presidente two 
in mm. uh, Norwood. That's where I live. Not again, kind of doxing myself, but whatever. <laughs> it's a big area. It's a big area. So um, I just, you know, I was always getting like the roasted chicken there, uh, which is really good. And like beans and rice and uh, plantains. But I finally tried like chicharrones and just like, I'm, I have like a 10 year old's like eating preferences and taste. So it was like chicken fingers, but so much better. And I mm. am obsessed with that now. So I just been getting cravings like, oh my God, I got to go get some chicharrones now. <laughs> I might have to get them later now that I'm like fixating on them so much. So yeah, but all the food at El Presidente too is so good. Like big shout out. I love that place. I, I think I, I'm getting a kick out of the fact, Brennan, that Five seconds ago, you were like, oh, yeah, I love like vinegary stuff. Then you're like, oh, I actually have a 10 year old's palate. <laughs> <laughs> yo, and Pickles. yo, and she walks around with hot sauce. Let's just, I'm going to put you up. <laughs> she be walking around with hot sauce. She got it on the desk when she's planning a lesson. She, you know, I saw her go to get some, get some water from the water fountain. And she, you know, so you got a, you definitely got a hot sauce fixation. You love, you love some hot it. sauce. Yeah. Oh, and when I get the chicharrones, I put so much hot sauce. So like any food that I bring to school, like I got to put some hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to hot sauce, you know. <laughs> For real. Shout yeah. out Texas Pete. Shout out Louisiana style hot sauce. Yeah, that's cool. Are, are we are we gonna do a shout out to Balmore as well? Oh, Balmer, yeah. Big shout go. out, Balmer. 410 yeah. goes. <laughs> there you go. Good stuff, man. All right, let's pivot. Let's go to what are we reading? Um, I guess we'll follow the same order. I'll go first. Um, so I, this week finished a really provocative, well, actually one of the best books I've read this year. Um, really, really good book. Um, and it's called, I'll hold it up for, for y'all real quick. It's called the devil, you know, um, the subtitles of black power manifestos written by a gentleman named Charles M. Blow. So I didn't know, uh, Mr. Blow. I didn't know Charles, um, before reading this book, I guess he's a columnist for the New York times. Um, but just a really good book. You know, the premise of the book is, this idea of like, you know, in the great, during the great migration, right? A lot of black folks from the South moved to these destination cities in the North. And so his proposition is actually like a, uh, uh, it's like a proposition, an idea. He's trying to persuade black folks to actually move back down South in, mm. in, in like, like a reverse migration uh, to, in order to gain political power. Right. Um, super interesting book, uh, really well researched. He, you know, has this idea of like, there's a pull to go down south, but there's also a push. So he has this pull push um, identity. And he also makes some call, you know, he calls out Obama, this idea of hope. You know, he, wa he wants to like, you know, um, and, and also he also calls out like Booker T. Washington. He, you know, he, he throws some shots in there um, mm -hmm. and saying like the time is now, like let's stop hoping and let's actually take action and, and actually, you know, do this, you know. And so um, really good book. Like I said, really well written as well. Like it's just beautifully written um and so yeah that was a great book that's something i finished this week that's awesome is it is it my turn yeah okay um i <laughs> philosophy always has like really hardcore stuff on the reading meanwhile i you know my attention span is like probably terrible um uh what did i read recently i last night this is gonna sound so tacky I was reading an article last night about uh, Chris Middleton, and uh, he's a basketball player. He plays mm -hmm. for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's one of my favorite players. It's actually a, more of like a is long form, the, the term that they use in journalism, a long form piece. It was a long form piece about 
Chris Middleton and how, you know, his first year in their current system, he was shooting the most efficient type of shots, which is like shots at the rim and, and threes. Uh-huh. Right. Um, but this year, his shot profile is a little bit traditionally less efficient in that he's shooting more mid range, but he's really good at the mid range. So mm-hmm. that adds a lot of value to the team. And one of the reasons I'm bringing this article up is that there's some serious parallels to teaching there because mm-hmm. what sometimes gets taught in teaching circles, whether it's through um, each like a pampion um, and, and, you know, books like that by bug Memov. I'm not using the actual uh, name <laughs> I got you. Here and the actual names of the book. There are certain techniques that, that become very, people become very, very tied to them. Mm. Look, I, it, the fact is from that article about Chris Middleton, the, the general theme from it was sometimes it's not always about what's mathematically the most efficient thing to Mm. do. Maybe that's the case for, for most people, maybe that's the case, but sometimes you might have a particular skill set that you should just take advantage of. And I see those parallels with teaching. That's why this was on my mind today because, and I was reading this last night because I feel like, you know, I had this professor in college. Lecturing is on paper. Lecturing is not supposed to be the MO of a teacher. Mm -hmm. I will say I had this one professor in college who could lecture the crap out of stuff. And he was very, very compelling. And that was his skill set. And sometimes it's good to just lean into what your skill set is. Be who you are. Be who you are. That's what we were talking about earlier, right? Be who you are. Sometimes if you do three things really well, even if it's not, oh, this is the way teaching is supposed to be going now. This is what you're supposed to do. Listen, if you don't do two, three things exceptionally well and your students are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I vibe with this. I, I don't see, just do it. Go ahead, do that. I mean, that's, that's, if your students are, uh, if your students are vibing with that, then do it. I love that. I love that comparison. And I think you have to send me that article because I don't know, I, I kind of want to give students maybe next year, I mean, got to run it by people, but more choice of things they want to read. Maybe I know there's definitely a good number of uh, MBA fans. Uh, at the school so where what was it in like what magazine it was on the ringer i can send it to you right now yeah that'd be great um i'm just trying to like like grab any interesting articles um but yeah so for me um again i would just like shout out this book from black lives matter black liberation because what you said about um you know mentioning obama and having like a critical perspective on obama this book does that a lot and it's really really interesting to read uh, Kianga Yamada Taylor's thoughts on that. But I don't really read like a lot of nonfiction. Um, I really read if I'm trying to, I mean, I try to get myself to read nonfiction, but I'm very ADD and reading can be hard for me. So I relax by reading. Um, I'm reading, <laughs> literally we're talking about how dorky this is. I'm on the eighth book 
of a 14 part series. Each of these books is like 500 pages or more uh, called The Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. And um, I had never heard of it, but I know some of my friends read it in high school. So I actually requested for the library to get some of them, maybe not all of them. Um, see how far anyone gets, but I'm on the, the eighth book, which I think is called, oh God. I just like keep track of the numbers. Eight out of 14. Wow. That's, you reading in an encyclopedia. Right? Oh, the Path of Daggers. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool, man. Yeah. I love when do you, do you, I mean, I, 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 not to like give yourself a timeline, but do you have like an idea of when you want to finish it or you, when you might finish it like a year from now or two years, or are you just like going with the flow? Like, I'll be so sad when I finish it. Cause I love it. But I started the series in uh, December, 2019. So I guess like really like January, 2020. So I've been reading them for like over a year. I'm on like eight of 14. So we'll see maybe one yeah. more year, but I don't know what I'll read after that. I, I'm really, really into this series. So big recommendation. It actually is like a fantasy series that has like good female characters. And I really have read fantasy books where it's just like all about the epic bros and like mm. all the old women are like, oh, help me. <laughs> mm. Like, you know, the drill. So mm. got a Robert Jordan, RIP. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Definitely. Um, all right, let's pivot right into our last segment. We're going to take it home. We're going to ride off into the sunset right now, Miss Brennan. It's been a great time, but we got to close this out. Last call for lunch. All right, there's De La Rosa. He signifies the last segment of our lovely pie. This is the last segment of the... We're going to have one more episode, I think, Chris and I, but this is the last segment of the second to last episode. Um, so this is pretty special. So Miss Brennan, we asked our guests to reflect on the title of the podcast, which is 1363, as in 1363 Fulton Avenue, mm -hmm. and me. Um, and so what is, you know, what is it like to be part of this community um, for, the, for the first year of your teaching career? And like, yeah, describe how it feels um, to be part of BCSM. Okay, yeah, well, shout out to the name of the podcast, that's like the main way that I remember the address of the school when I have to like put it on paper. <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. Like 1636 or whatever. And then I'm like, no, it's 1363 and me. There you so, go. That's cool. um, yeah, I mean, it's so much of it is like an unknown entity. Like I feel like in a, in a school or like any workplace you're, it takes a while to like suss out all the dynamics and stuff that are afoot. So, I mean, I just really would have to say major takeaways would be really just loving the students. Like I'm really all about the students and how, you know, obviously sometimes they do things that annoy us, but like, I seriously just love working with them and like their energy. Um, so I feel like super bonded to the school in that way. And like, again, I haven't really gotten to know all of my colleagues at the school, but like, the main ones that I know, like definitely you guys, my co-teachers and some people I've like shared other, you know, either rooms or like other, you know, the department, like people I've gotten to know at the school, I feel like they've been so supportive and welcoming and like, you know, like shout out like Mr. Callahan, because he was just like, oh, you want to do this gardening stuff? Cool. Do it. Like, I don't even, no one was like, oh, you're a first year teacher. Maybe you shouldn't do this or that. Like, 
people like recognize passion at the school. And I think they have just been so supportive. So I'm, I feel like a baby. I'm no expert at the school. I'm still like getting my feel for the place, but I feel just so grateful and happy to be here. Like I can get emotional talking about it, but I won't. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'll jump in, man. I, I got it. This is usually the time where we shower the guests with love and I got a lot of love for you. Aww. Like one of the, one of the things I really appreciate you, like how you said you're, you're new and like all this stuff, but like, you know, you, you, you arrived on the scene ready to make a scene. If that makes any sense, like yeah. you came with fire, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it didn't take it. You didn't even go a full year before you, before you jumped on the scene bringing out some pots, getting students involved in the gardening and mm -hmm. then talking about taking over the lot that's across the street. Like, you know, there's so many you you arrive to BCSM ready, poised to to make a scene and 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 to start and cr create joy and create moments where of connection. And, you know, and as I just so from the outsider looking in, I can't help but just deeply appreciate that because of how hard it can be to be in a new place, to be in a new profession, right? And still have the courage and the confidence to speak up and say, I think that I would like to take this on. And, 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 and on top of all that, you're still in grad school. You're still doing all mm -hmm. of that. You know what I'm saying? So um, you're, you're just the, the, the ambition that you show as, as an up-and-coming teacher, I think, like old folks like me have a lot to learn from. I really do. And I really, I so appreciate that about you. You're too nice. You always just, I'm always like, ah, it's so nice. I don't know what to say. I could mm. say all that back to you though. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was going to chime in that I think, I think I first encountered Brennan, like in the hallway back in September or something. Brennan had just been hired. Listen, I think 15 seconds in, five seconds in of talking to Brennan, I was like, oh, okay, okay. She's a real one. You know, <laughs> she's got a vision. She's got you know, she's passionate about this. She's not half-assing this or anything like that. Like Brennan is here to, you know, Brennan's here to like communicate stuff and Brennan's, you know, thinking forward. And I think what's kind of cool though, and we talk about this a lot, Palacios is, you know, the idea of being able to think, think forward, but without scrapping the past behind, mm -hmm. think forward without, don't throw away the good stuff that was mm -hmm. behind you keep the good stuff but also keep the but get the the new shiny stuff in front of you i feel like brennan has that kind of mentality um and i i think that's really cool i think your contributions uh, another thing that that is really impressive is that as a first year uh educator to have a healthy sense of positivity throughout all of this notice i'm not saying a toxic positivity i'm saying a healthy sense of positivity about all of this um i think that's impressive i think that um like just hearing your interactions with students and stuff like that um i can see that you there's a sense of hopefulness that you communicate to them i think that's really awesome and so i i don't think I, I don't have any doubt that I, I think you'll you'll flourish at BCSM. You'll uh, help us become a, an, a better community. We're always trying to become a better community. And I think we're very appreciative of having you. And 
I think most importantly, your students are. And it was, and it was really, thank you for for that, Christian. It was really, um, at least to me, it was really purposeful to have you to be the last guest, Miss Brennan, because we've had a lot of people on the podcast this year. And we've had some people that have been here since the inception of BCSM. We've had people on here that's been here since before the inception of BCSM, wow. like before. And we've had everybody in between. Right. But to end it with you, someone who is closing out their first year with us speaks to the future of BCSM. And that's how I see you are the future of our of our school, of our school community in a lot of ways. And it's so fitting to end with you because we are ending with, you know, the future, you know, the person that's going to carry us on into the future, um, future years with new energy, new ideas, bright ideas. And it's beautiful. And I can't wait for that to happen. Um, and fresh tomatoes, too. That's yeah. Yeah. And fresh tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Yeah. All right. This has been this has been lovely. y'all. Uh, we went long on this one, but we had Thank to. You. We had to honor. We had to honor Miss Brennan with this one. Oh, so. you can edit out a lot of rambling <laughs> thank you so much i really appreciate it awesome thank you so much for being here so long y'all peace